There's a lot of fear when it comes to chronic illness. Worrying about medicines, refills, appointments, test results, the cost of treatment, etc. There are also larger fears of death, deteriorating health, being unable to take care of oneself, the list goes on. And all of this, it's completely valid. Living with debilitating physical symptoms and knowing they won't get better would make anyone afraid. Becoming so sick that you can see yourself fading? Yeah, that's scary as shit too. There's so much to fear. But right now, I want to talk about how we can control our fear, at least a little bit, so that the intensity of the fear is lessened. Hi, welcome back to the Trifecta Podcast. This is Maddie, and today I'm going to be talking about something a little different than what you're used to hearing from us, but bear with me. With illness comes loss of control. In fact, some days I feel like I have zero control over anything. And it all starts with the loss of control of our own bodies. Our bodies, the vessel that holds us, protects us, supposed to keep us safe when our bodies become become dysfunctional and turn against us it feels like losing control of part of yourself the first step in changing your fear is wanting to change your fear i know that might sound pretty straightforward and obvious but it's really important if you don't want to change your fear if fear is something that you want to keep this podcast is not for you I want to share what I've learned about controlling my fear over the past 15 years of being chronically ill. When I was a junior in college, I kind of just went through life with emotions coming at me left and right, but I didn't know why I was feeling that certain emotion. And I didn't even know that emotions had a purpose, that they were doing something for me. So with all my physical pain and suffering being untreated at that time, Um, and undiagnosed at that time, I could not manage my emotional pain and suffering on top of my physical pain and suffering. It was just too much. So I became pretty desperate and I told my therapist all this and she suggested that I take a class. And the class is on how to regulate your emotions and decrease your pain and suffering emotional pain and suffering and I was so desperate that I signed up for the class and I did not expect it to help at all I signed up for it partially just to prove to my therapist that she was wrong and that a class would not fix my problems in any way but as you might be able to tell from my tone of voice I was taken aback completely because the class actually really helped. So I just wanted to share some things that I learned in that period of time. And these are skills that I use every day. It takes a lot of practice if you want to make it, make them habits and become more um, at peace in the present moment. So the first step to controlling your fear is to name your fear. Yes, this sounds weird, but whenever you have a fearful thought or event, 
whenever your body signals to you that you're in fight or flight, label it fear. Out loud or in your head, it doesn't matter. Just label it. You can say to yourself, I'm experiencing fear right now. And that's all you have to do. That's the first step. What you might realize when you start examining your thoughts and emotions more closely is that you have lots of them. It's helpful to view emotions as waves. I know this might sound strange. Bear with me. Emotions are like waves. They have a beginning, middle, and end. Some waves are larger than the others, longer than the others, but they always pass, always. This is helpful to remember in states of great anxiety. So in order to change your fear, you have to know a couple things. First, every emotion has a prompting event, something or someone, something someone does or says, or a thought. Some other words that might describe fear are anxiety, apprehension, dread, fright, horror, hysteria, panic, shock, terror, worry, uneasiness. There are several prompting events for fear. Um, The biggest one is having your life, your health, or your well-being threatened. But you can also... Um, have flashbacks that cause fear. You can also be in situations where you've seen other people threatened or be hurt, which can cause fear. Um, Being in a new, being in a new unfamiliar situation, being alone, like living alone. So in order to do the first step and label our fear as fear, we have to be able to recognize when we're experiencing fear. And you might say, it's pretty obvious, Madison. Like, I get clammy, I get shaky, all the blood goes to my vital organs, my heart rate increases. I get into the fight-or-flight mode. Um, So these physical bodily changes associated with fear are really important because if we can pay attention to those bodily changes, we can label our fear quickly and more effectively. So some bodily changes that are associated with fear are breathlessness, a fast heartbeat, a choking sensation or a lump in your throat, your muscles tensing, clenching teeth, the urge to scream or call out, feeling nauseous, getting cold or feeling clammy, feel your hair stand up on end, and the feelings of butterflies in your stomach or wanting to run away or avoid things. Whenever we experience an emotion, it comes with an action urge. For example, when we feel angry, our action urge is to lash out. When we feel love, our action urge is to become closer to that person or that thing that we love. When we're afraid, our action urge is either to run away, to fight, or to become paralyzed, stand still. Our action urges might be really strong, but it's important to know that you do not have to act on them. If you have an action urge for, from an emotion and you do act on it, say anger, for example. Someone, someone disrespects you, so you feel really angry and you lash out at them. Well, they, they probably lash back out, out to you as well. And then you feel even angrier and you want to lash out and get 
and get raise your voice even more and you know shake your fist stomp your foot when we act on our action urges it becomes more likely that we'll do the same thing again in the future for example imagine one day that you get home and there's a huge roaring lion in your bedroom what do you do well if you're anything like me you would instantly run out of the room and probably down the street and as fast away from the house as you can well you come back the next day to your house and the lion is in your bedroom again so you run away as fast as you can again and this happens a couple days in a row until finally you walk into your bedroom one day and there's no lion but you instantly run out of the bedroom and down the street anyway this is because our action urges can become habitual this is really important when you have chronic illness because you're in so much pain and you're having so much suffering already physically that when you have any mental anguish it can actually make your health worse so when you feel these waves of fear again and again and again and again over a period of days this becomes a mood of anxiety a mood of fear and when you experience a mood again and again and again basically all of these waves of fear back to back to back for months this becomes a state a state of anxiety so our action urges are really important because they become habitual and then they can take over our create states of anxiety or states of depression that can honestly take over our lives so how do you change your fear first you label it next the second step is to act opposite now what i mean by that is that you want to identify the emotion let's say it's fear and then determine the action urge which is fight or flight or be paralyzed and then you want to do the opposite of your action urge if you want to change your emotion you have to do the opposite of the action urge of the emotion that you want to change so to put it in context with chronic illness sometimes people invite me to dinners or out to coffee or out for drinks and my initial response is fear because I'm afraid what everybody else will think when I don't order anything, when I don't eat anything or drink anything. I'm afraid of answering, of having to go into details about my chronic illness and I'm afraid that people won't believe me when I tell them about my mast cell activation syndrome because it's such a strange illness. I have fear of being around all that food that could potentially cause allergic reactions for me. There's so much fear when it comes for me when it comes to going into a restaurant or a coffee shop, anywhere where there's food and beverages, basically. So my emotion would be fear whenever I get invited to go out to a restaurant or coffee shop or wherever. My action urge is fight or flight and honestly my action urges for fear it's it's usually flight it's usually to run away so I usually or in the past I have usually declined any invitation to go out to a restaurant or a coffee shop or get drinks I would decline that on the spot because I was so afraid of all those things I mentioned 
my action urge in this case scenario is to run the other way, is to stay home, um, be safe, not, not go out, and to protect myself. But it's kind of like the lion in the bedroom in this case scenario, because even if I do go out, that doesn't mean I have to eat the food, and that doesn't mean I have to drink. So lately, I've been wanting to be a little bit more social and have less fear in my life. So when I get invited out somewhere, I have to determine my fear and what's causing it. And then I have to do acting the opposite. Which, in my case, the opposite of running away is to move closer. So I will say yes, and I'll go to that restaurant or I'll go to that coffee shop and I'll order water, and I'll just drink water, but I'll still be uh, facing my fears. And honestly, going to a restaurant is still a little too much for me because of all the smells, sights, just so much food all around me that I want to eat so badly. So I started with a coffee shop, and I went to the coffee shop, And yeah, it smelled great, and there was plenty of food there to eat. But I was able to embrace the situation and move closer to what I was afraid of. There's something called exposure therapy that is pretty similar to this. Whenever anyone has a major phobia, clinicians will expose the person uh, to their fear a little bit at a time. For example... If they're really, really afraid of the ocean, if something traumatizing happened when they were little in the the ocean, in the water, and they became, they developed a phobia of the ocean, you wouldn't just throw them in the water. First, you'd probably start by taking their hand and running it in 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 the sink in the water and to picture the waves as they're coming in. Then the next week, maybe you would just visit the, visit the ocean, just sit on the sand, not go near the water. And then you'd move up to putting maybe your feet in the water, just in a tiny puddle until eventually you move up to actually getting in the water, which is the, facing the phobia. Another common fear for people with chronic illness might be fear of um, doctor's appointments. So there's a lot of medical trauma and medical PTSD that goes on when you have a chronic illness, especially if you've gone on undiagnosed for a long time. Um, Medical gaslighting is really uh, common, unfortunately, with people who are chronically ill and being told it's all in your head, it's all anxiety, even having doctors dismiss you or having doctors refuse to take on your case because your case is too complex. All of this can create a lot of anxiety around doctor's appointments, especially if you've had doctors treat you horribly in the past. So me, for example, I have a lot of anxiety around doctor's appointments. It gets so bad sometimes that I want to cancel the appointment, and to be honest, I have canceled appointments in the past due to anxiety. So, in order to 
really change your emotion you can go even further and analyze the, the prompting event what causes fear in the first place and a lot of the times it, it they are events like doctors dismissing me doctors uh refusing to treat me doctors saying i'm one of the most complex cases they've ever had etc or it can be thoughts like no one is going to believe me they're not going to find out anything from the test results um, this appointment's going to cost so much money. All of these thoughts can create fear as well. So another way to change your fear is to catch your thoughts. Catch your anxious thoughts. If you don't know which, which thoughts are anxious and which thoughts are just thoughts, then try writing all of your thoughts down. It really might be able to show you just how many of your thoughts are rooted in anxiety. There is a little acronym that I like to remember. It's called CCC. C is in carrot. CCC. And the C's stand for catch it, challenge it, change it. And this is kind of what you want to do with your thoughts, with your anxious thoughts. So let's take that thought that I mentioned about the doctor. Um, the thought being, I'm afraid my doctor is just going to dismiss me. And that thought is totally valid. You've had doctors dismiss you in the past, so of course you're going to be scared it's going to happen in the future. But if you want to change that thought and that emotion of fear, then you have to catch that thought and challenge it. So you caught the thought, and catching the thought just all it means is being aware that you're having that thought. So you catch the thought. And then the second step is to challenge it. You can do this while also be very validating of your thoughts and emotions at the same time. For example, you can tell yourself something like, it makes complete sense that I would be afraid of having another doctor dismiss me. At the same time, this is a different doctor. This is a different person. And just because it happened once doesn't mean that the past will repeat itself third step is to change your thought so I would try changing it to something like this doctor might dismiss me but he also might really help me and we're just gonna have to wait to see so by acting opposite we can change our fearful action urges you have to be willing to do what you're afraid of doing over and over again did you know there's actually a difference between worry and concern? Where worry is rooted in the emotional mind, that heated mind, hot mind, with all of the values, preferences, and opinions. Concern, on the other hand, is rooted in your uh, logical, rational mind. It's focused on the facts at hand. When we worry, we tend to ruminate. We tend to go over the same thoughts again and again in our head and feel the same emotions again and again because of it. When we're concerned, usually our fear is justified. Because concern is rooted in the factual or rational mind, its purpose is to help you fix the situation at hand. However, worry being rooted in the emotional mind 
it doesn't really have a purpose. Worrying doesn't really accomplish much of anything. So if you find yourself worrying and going over the same thoughts or the same situations in your head again and again, try checking the facts of the situation and kind of diverging from being an emotional mind to entering into the factual or rational mind. This will help you make more effective decisions. This will help your lessen your emotional pain and suffering. On the topic of emotional pain and suffering, when I took this class about five years ago, the main reason I decided to sign up is because it said that it would help me reduce my emotional pain and suffering. And I was so desperate to reduce my emotional pain and suffering. I was so desperate, you guys. I would have done anything. Well, I actually learned quite a bit about about reducing your pain and suffering in that class. And if this is helpful to even one person, I'm glad that I'm recording it. First, what do I even mean by distress tolerance? What do I mean by lessening your pain emotionally and pain and suffering? Well, distress tolerance is the ability to tolerate and survive crises without making things worse. And this is essential because pain is part of life and we cannot get rid of it. They cannot be altered. Pain cannot be removed. And the more that we fight this fact, the more that we increase our own pain and suffering. So we have to accept that pain is part of life. If we have emotional or physical pain and we resist that pain, our suffering is going to increase. So that's a a short little formula that is absolutely true. In her book called Radical Acceptance, Tara Brock writes about fear. She wrote, the emotion of fear often works over time. Even when there is no immediate threat, our body may remain tight and on guard, our mind narrowed to focus on what might go wrong. When this happens, fear is no longer functioning to secure our survival. We are caught in the trance of fear, and our moment-to-moment experience becomes bound in reactivity. We spend our time and energy defending our life rather than than living it fully. I love this book, and I love the concept of radical acceptance. She writes about radical acceptance like this. Clearly recognizing what is happening inside of us and regarding what we see with an open, kind, and loving heart is what I call radical acceptance. If we are holding back from any part of our experience, if our heart shuts out any part of who we are and what we feel, we are fueling the fears and the feelings of separation that sustain the trance of unworthiness. Radical acceptance directly dismantles the very foundation of this trance. She says, there's a mantra that she repeats and it is, may I love and accept myself just as I am. She says, the fear of being a flawed person lay at the root of my trance. And I had sacrificed many moments over the years in trying to prove my worth. 
Like the tiger, I inhabited a self-made prison that stopped me from living fully. Learning to pause is the first step in practicing radical acceptance. A pause is simply a suspension of activity, a time of temporary disengagement when we are no longer moving toward any goal. The pause can occur in the midst of almost any activity and can last for an instant, for hours, or for seasons of our life. This pause, we may be in the midst of uh, letting go of our, our thoughts and reawakening our attention to the moment at hand. We may pause by stepping out of daily life to go on a retreat or spend time in nature or go take a sabbatical. You might try it now. Stop listening and just sit there. Do nothing and simply notice what you are experiencing. Staying occupied is a socially sanctioned way of remaining distant from our pain. When we are constantly trying to distract ourselves from our pain and suffering, this just increases our pain and suffering. In order to let go of our suffering, we have to completely embrace the pain. We have to completely embrace the situation. And that is not an easy thing to do, especially if you know the pain is chronic and it's not going to be going away anytime soon. So again, this podcast is for people who really want to change their fear, really want to change their pain and suffering. As Tara Brock put it, perhaps the biggest tragedy of our lives is that freedom is possible, yet we can pass our years trapped in the same old patterns. We may want to love other people without holding back, to feel authentic, to breathe in the beauty around us, to dance and sing, yet each day we listen to inner voices that keep our lives small. Radical acceptance means all the way, complete and total. It is accepting in your mind, in your heart, and your body. It's when you stop fighting reality, you stop throwing tantrums because reality is not the way you want it, and you let go of bitterness. What has to be accepted? Well, you have to accept reality as it is. The facts about the past and the present are the facts, even if you don't like them. There are limitations on the future for everyone, but only realistic limitations need to be accepted. Everything has a cause, including events and situations that cause you pain and suffering. And you have to remember that life can be worth living even with painful events in it. Why should you accept reality, though? I mean, why is this even important in the first place? Well... Rejecting reality does not change your reality. Changing reality requires ex- first requires accepting your reality. Pain can't be avoided, as I said earlier. It's nature's way of signaling to you that something is really wrong. And rejecting reality turns pain into suffering. Refusing to accept reality can keep you stuck in unhappiness, bitterness, anger, sadness, shame, and other emotions. Acceptance may lead to sadness, but deep calmness usually follows. 
So the first step to accepting reality is sort of like the first step to changing your fear. You have to be able to want to change your reality. You have to be able to want to lower your pain and suffering. If you don't really want it, it's going to be difficult to do. So here are some ways that you can practice accepting reality. First of all, catch yourself when you notice that you are um, resisting reality or you're resisting change. Um, there also often look out. For, you can look out for should or should not statements, like it shouldn't be this way or I should be able to do X, Y, and Z. Observe that you're questioning and fighting reality. Simply tell yourself, oh, that's me fighting reality again. Oh, that's me fighting reality. Remind yourself that the unpleasant reality is just as it is. And it cannot be changed. Reality can't be changed. And you can tell yourself, this is what happened. These are the facts. But remind yourself that there are causes for the reality. Acknowledge that some sort of history led up to this very moment. And... This is how things happened. You can't go back into time and change how things happened. They happened a certain way, and if you don't accept them, it's just going to lead to suffering. You can. Another thing to do is to practice accepting with your whole self, your mo- mind, your body, and your spirit. Um, for example, you can use self-talk, but you can also use relax, relaxation, and... Um, of, and even uh, imagery to get to a place of acceptance. Practicing opposite action, like doing the opposite action of your action urge, that um, can really help you to accept a reality. But that's not to say that you need to get rid of your negative emotions. Um, toxic positivity is definitely on the rise. And it's important to acknowledge your disappointment, your sadness, or your grief. And let it arise within you and let yourself feel it. But at the same time, acknowledge that life can be worth living even when there is pain. So there's this one skill that I found very helpful in in just lowering my amount of emotional suffering. It's called turning the mind turning a mind turning the mind so imagine of you're on a path you're on a road and the road goes and diverges into a fork so turning the turning the mind is like facing a fork in the road um you have to turn your mind toward the acceptance road and away from the road of rejecting reality so imagine that there's a fork in the road and the road leaves off into two different um, places. One is rejection, one arrow is rejection, and the other arrow is acceptance. And if you're here, what you need to do is turning the mind is choosing to accept your reality. And so you choose the acceptance road instead of the rejection of reality road. And the choice to accept, it does not equal acceptance in itself. Acceptance is a process. It's not going to happen automatically. And it's easier said than done to just choose the acceptance road. So there are some steps for doing this. 
first, just like with uh, um, turning your fear, oh, turning away from your fear, the first step is to observe that you're not accepting reality. So you can look for anger, bitterness, annoyance, avoiding of emotions, saying, why me? Why is this happening? I can't stand this. It shouldn't be this way. The second step is go within yourself and make an inner commitment, an inner commitment to accept reality as it is. You have to commit to yourself that you're going to try this, that you're going to try to accept reality. And then third step is to do it again, accept reality over and over and over again. Keep turning your mind into the acceptance road and away from the rejection of reality road. Each time you come to the fork in the road in your life where you can reject reality or choose to accept it, remember that inner commitment and choose the acceptance road. The fourth step is to develop a plan for catching yourself in the future when you drift out of acceptance. No one's perfect, especially when you have an illness that's chronic It can be really difficult when you have some of the same thought patterns again and again and again. And turning the mind is really helpful for this because it can help keep you on the acceptance road. And accepting does not mean that you are saying this isn't hard. This isn't, this isn't totally excruciating. This isn't a crisis. It doesn't invalidate all of that. It's just trying to accept your pain so that you don't go into the realm of suffering because if you don't accept your pain then that that cause that's what causes suffering and you already have to feel pain so why would you want to feel pain and suffering at the same time so it's just trying to unload and lessen your 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 emotional suffering it's so hard to accept your reality when you don't want to accept your reality It's so hard to accept chronic pain when you want to be pain-free. That's why a crucial aspect of all of this, of fighting your fear, of accepting reality, a crucial aspect is willingness. You have to be willing to be ready to participate fully in life. You have to find a willing response to each situation. Willingness is doing just what is needed in each situation wholeheartedly without dragging your feet. Willingness is listening very careful to your wise mind or your intuition and then acting from your intuition. So you can, an easy way to become more willing is to replace your willfulness or your refusal, your rejection with willingness. And like there are steps to everything, there are steps to this too. The first step is to observe yourself rejecting reality. Label it, experience it. That means something, that could mean something like, I'm feeling like I really hate my life. I'm feeling like I really hate being on my body. I'm experiencing the uh, feeling of being trapped in my body. Just observe your thoughts and observe your unwillingness, your willfulness. The second step is to radically accept that at this moment you feel 
willful or you feel like rejecting the moment. Accept that you are wanting to reject reality. Just accept that. Accept that you don't want a life to be like this. Accept that your life, you want it to look different than what it looks like. And then the third step is turning your mind towards acceptance and willingness away from rejecting reality. Turn your mind. And this might happen really slowly or this might happen quickly. And you might be able to start catching your thoughts and changing them quickly. But it might take, it might be slowly. And if you can't manage to get to a place of acceptance of your reality, if you just can't do it, ask yourself, what's the threat? What, what's holding me back? I love this quote. I heard it one time when I was taking this class. And it was, um, be willing to change who you are for who you could become. And this is crucial. You have to be willing to change who you are. You have to be willing to want your life to be different. And even if that means changing your life in your emotional um, in an emotional context, then that's what that means. Because with chronic illness, there's so much that we cannot change, but we can control our thoughts. And in doing so, we can control our emotions. And we can control whether to accept our reality. Accepting reality doesn't, isn't just something that comes on spur of the moment. It's not a feeling that overtakes you. It's a choice. It's a commitment. So to end this little segment, or long segment rather, sorry, it's way longer than I expected it to be, I'm going to read a part of The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. He writes, There really is no reason for tension or problems. Stress only happens when you resist life, life's events. If you're neither pushing life away nor pulling it towards you, then you are not creating any resistance. You're simply present. In this state, you're just witnessing and experiencing the events of life taking place. If you choose to live this way, you will see that life can be lived in a state of peace. Eventually, he writes, you'll see that this resistance is a tremendous waste of energy. The fact is, you're generally using your will to resist one of two things that which has already happened or that which hasn't happened yet. You're sitting inside resisting impressions from the past or thoughts about the future. Think of how much energy is wasted resisting what has already happened. Since the event has already passed, you are actually struggling with yourself, not with the event. In addition, contemplate how much energy is wasted resisting what might happen. Since most of the things you think about might never actually happen, you're just throwing energy away. How you deal with your energy flow has a major effect on your life. When you resist, the energy has no place to go. It gets stuck in your psyche and seriously affects you. It blocks your heart's energy flow and causes you to feel closed and less vibrant. This is literally what is happening when something is weighing on your mind or when things get too heavy for you. If There is no reason to get stressed out. There is no reason for blowing up or shutting down. If you do not let this energy build up inside you, but instead allow each moment of the day to pass through you, then you can be as fresh as every moment as you would be on a stress-free vacation. It is not life's events that are causing problems or stress. 
It is your resistance to life's events that are causing this experience. So I just love that. I just love her book so much. And I think that is really um, insightful. What I wanted to end on is the difference between pain and suffering. I know I've already touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to dive deeper into pain and suffering. Did you know there's a difference between pain and suffering? Pain is what happens to us. Suffering is what we do with our pain. Pain plus resistance equals suffering. I'll repeat that formula again because it's so important. Pain plus resistance equals suffering. I know this might sound odd, but the more that we resist our emotional pain, the more that we're going to suffer. This formula is actually really important because pain is a part of life. We can't get rid of it, but suffering is within our control. We can control our responses to pain. We can choose whether to feel our pain completely and let it pass through us or whether to shut it back down and try to push it down inside. Our response to pain is essential for life. Number one, because pain is part of life, we cannot avoid it or get rid of it. And two, since controlling our pain requires us to change our responses, this process means you're going to have to change your thoughts. Radical acceptance is not approval, love, or positivity. It's simply accepting the facts of your situation all the way. Acceptance in your mind, heart, and body. Life can be worth living even with painful events in it. In order to change your reality, you must want to do so. You have to be willing, really willing. First, and this might sound easy, it's not, but you have to accept your reality. Refusing to accept your reality will lead to sadness, guilt, shame, or hopelessness. Radical acceptance is not making light of painful events. In fact, it does the exact opposite. When you fully accept the facts of your reality, you can appreciate every hard thing you're going through that much more. How can you do this? Well, there are several steps. First, observe yourself fighting reality. Simply say, I'm fighting reality or I'm fighting my pain. And then number two, remind yourself that your unpleasant reality simply is. A series of events led to this. This happened. Third, practice accepting with your whole self, your mind, your body, your spirit. Another helpful step is to make an inner commitment to yourself to accept reality as it is. Do this again and again and again and again. It takes practice, lots of it. Then you can develop a plan for when you drift out of acceptance. Gently pull yourself back to the acceptance road and away from the rejecting reality road. Remember, you are not your emotions. You are not your pain. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I just really wanted to share some of the knowledge that I learned in my class. And I hope that if, if, and if even one person gets some, something, learns something new or discover something about themselves in this podcast, then that'll be worth it for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And we love our listeners so much. If you have any comments or any um, questions, my Instagram is at mrs.mastcell. And our Instagram for our podcast is called at the trifecta 2021. 
We would love to hear back from you. We're also featuring guest speakers. So if you have an important story to tell, please reach out to us and we'd love to feature your story. Once again, thanks for being part of our our podcast. We appreciate you listening so much and I hope that you guys have a great day. Bye. All three of us are always open. Our DMs are always open to offer you support, to answer any questions you may have, or even to just to hear your comments about our podcast. Or if you'd like to be featured on our podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. As always, I appreciate you listening and tune in next time. Thanks. Bye, guys.